Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Our thanks to this week's sponsor, Hayloft Plants Limited of Pershaw, Worcestershire. Hello and welcome to This Week in the Garden. I'm Peter Seabrook, here to exchange some news, views, a bit of seasonal advice and uh, hopefully answer some of your gardening quandaries. We gardeners have had a pretty good few days here in the southeast of England. Uh, the weather for mid-November been pretty mild, uh, but we had to dodge uh, some quite heavy showers over the weekend. When you have several plots to tend, you tend to get one up straight and tidy, and before you know it, weeds have grown out of hand on the others. The back garden that uh, I'm trying to renovate that had that uh, invasion of bamboo is being cleared bit by bit and at every visit efforts uh, are made to dig another strip across uh, the plot the length of a fence panel at least the soil is proving fertile where old turf previously lawn uh, is being dug well into the patch it has yielded several lovely handfuls of late-sown runner beans over the last seven to ten days. But before I get into uh, renovating old plots, what's uh, the news this week? Well, we live in a crazy kind of world. I hear that glasshouse crops of poinsettia are likely to be sold out by the first week of December. Uh, that's a uh, really early Apparently there's just this urge to get on with things by all accounts and certainly a move to uh, liven up Christmas. Makes my plans for school children to sing their Christmas music at residential homes and give the uh, elderly some of those red-bracted plants to cheer their rooms a bit difficult. While the greenhouses will be emptied earlier and heating costs are saved for the growers, there will, of course, still be uh, plenty of plants in shops, but for good quality, uh, it will be advisable to uh, shop in good time this year. There's no doubt anyway that getting plants into homes and settled in the daytime onto really nice light windowsills before days get to their shortest really does make sense. And remember the tip about watering. You pick up a plant... If it's light in weight, it will probably need watering. Once you've given it a good water, you'll feel how much heavier it is. And then when you draw the curtains or whatever it is you do first thing every morning, you can just check. And if plants are light, give them a bit of water. And if they're heavy, leave well alone. The other news is that flowering Houseplants are really going out of fashion. 
and the uh, rapid change in uh, public fashions is really quite remarkable. He's having to find uh, all kinds of young foliage plants and the uh, old favourites, Ficus domestica, you know, the large leaf rubber plants, Monstera, a Swiss cheese plant, Dracaena, uh, they're all back in fashion in a big way. As they say, what's been around comes around. Oh, and I also hear from uh, the National Allotment Society that uh, ladies are taking over allotments on a grand scale. They said that if you went back into the previous century, 1973, just 2% of allotmenteers were women, and, and that increased to 20% by 2003, and now in London it stands at 63%. So there we are. Not so many of the old flat cap brigade, hey? Well, they always said that uh, the ladies had green fingers, and that's certainly proving the case now. And what about uh, advice for this time of the year? On a still dull day last week, conditions were just right to, to light the incinerator and burn an accumulation of all kinds of prunings and stems of brambles and old rose bushes. It's not so much as a spring clean, but an autumn clean in the garden. And the good thing is that jobs done now do tend to last. Once the leaves are down... If you dig the veg plot, well, then there it can uh, sit and the surface be improved by uh, freezing and thawing and wetting and drying will really break the clods down. And once the paths are swept, they should stay uh, reasonably clean and it's well worth doing to get all the rough sort of debris off and dry and then the paving is nowhere near as slippery. I mean, fruit trees, once uh, the leaves are off, they can be pruned, cleaned up around the base, a bit of uh, well-rotted compost or well-rotted manure put around the base, and they won't need uh, any more attention until next spring. Summer plants cleared from pots and containers can be replanted to remain colourful for the next few months. We've just planted one with uh, a dwarf silver-blue conifer, a small-leaved ivy, and one of those soft, velvet-leaved Senecio angel wings. Boy, it's, it shines uh, in the low light in the evenings. It's almost white. And then there's a red mini cyclamen, just the colour combination in the run-up to Christmas. In the 1960s, Britain was planting something like 50 million rose bushes uh, every year. And for some reason, uh, roses seem to have slipped a bit in uh, popularity as far as planting the bushes are concerned. And so in the Floral Fantasia area at uh, Hyde Hall, we thought it would be quite a nice idea to plant a little demonstration bed. It's just uh, 10 feet by 10 feet three metres by three metres if you're in uh, new money. And what we really wanted to do was to show the visitor, if they had just a small garden, how roses would give them uh, very good value for money. I've just resold a bed in my own front garden that had uh, a dozen Bonica roses in, and they were there for 40 years. I mean, can you imagine anything uh, that would give you better value for money? 
But of course the way that you prepare the soil is important and at uh, Hyde Hall we have Molly Christman who's been doing that work. Molly, can you just explain what the soil's like here and what you've done? Yep, so here at Hyde Hall in Essex we struggle with very, very horrible clay soil. I suppose you could say I started prepping the bed last year where we dug in lots and lots of compost but this last week we've dug in manure, very well rotted manure. We started with digging a trench and emptying that trench, digging in the manure and then digging in the next trench of soil into that and so on. We've let that sit for about a week should be nice and ready for for the roses and hopefully they last a very long time. We've planted a series called Precious and is that a good choice Jo? Yes it is. Thank you Molly. The Precious roses are a good choice. They're a, a bedding rose which means they look great planted out en masse. We've planted 16 Precious bush roses in this bed in three colours, gold, amber and Precious Love, which is a ready orange shade. We've also planted four standard roses. So these are Precious Roses grafted onto a 80 centimetre stem. So you will have a spread of colour from May, probably through to October, if not later, depending on when you get your first frosts. So you'll get the colour from the bedding rose and also from the standard roses, which will give height as well. And they're also really healthy roses, so no need for any chemical spray disease control. Thanks, Joe. I really look forward to them. Uh, um, and we don't see many standards planted. I don't understand why, because they give height. If you were just planting four roses in a small bed, it would be worth dropping a rose in amongst them just to give you that sort of pyramid shape. I'm optimistic that this little bed of ours will be really colourful from June, uh, but uh, I mustn't uh, whisper too much in Joe's ear because we're going to uh, underplant it with tulips. So we have a really good show of tulips coming up in uh, April. Uh, And then on top of the tulips, we're going to plant uh, a mass of hardy cyclamen coom, predominantly in the white shades. And they'll sort of cover the ground with foliage from mid-December right the way round till April when the tulips come up. Uh, We thought that the bed would be quite nicely edged. And and so around the edging, we're going to introduce a new kind of cat mint Napita Persian, spelt P-U-R-R-S-I-A-N, sorry about that, Americanism in the name, and Persian blue will just give that beautiful edging to the colour of the precious roses, which, as Joe has just explained, are in that amber, yellow and uh, orangey kind of shades, and the blue, I think, will go very nicely with that so we'll have colour year round on a size which uh, would suit many modern gardens today Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile with the price of just about everything going up during inflation we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Continuing this week's Rose theme, I spoke to Robert Mattock. As a family name synonymous with the Rose, they introduced uh, many successful Roses from renowned German breeder Cordy's. I've known Robert for many years now and have good reasons to uh, thank him for the excellent specimen Roses that graced many a show garden at Chelsea Flower Show in recent years. Who better to speak on the subject of roses? And now an academic with a remarkable knowledge of the history of the rose and who, uh, if I have any instinct, is a set to improve the fragrance in roses. Robert, I understand that uh, in recent years you're much more an academic uh, studying the history of roses. Is that correct? Yes, that's absolutely right. After my father died in 2002, having sold the volume production of our branded crop out into Eastern Europe and then sold the branded crop on, not the brand, mind you, I became very interested in remontancy, which, as you know, is how roses flower repeatedly. I was, um, funny enough, sitting in uh, under the colonnades in the, the Villa Giulia in Rome one early summer, and... Um, I saw all these bronzini pictures of what I knew straight away to be damask roses. And I couldn't work out why this damask rose had been there so early. And when I looked a bit further at the thing, I found that they were in uh, Paestum, the port south of Rome, way back to about 200 BC. At the same time, I also realised that a lot of people have been trying to find the origin of this damask rose. And the damask rose is what your garden viewers will know largely as the cabbage rose. So it's a very common garden plant in the West. There was no indication from anyone of where its origin was. So I thought I'd better find out. And so that was my first research project done at Bath University. I picked up a master's and then all the rest of the doctorates and all the things you have to do in academia. And we carried on from there. Amazing. Almost um, a road to Damascus, we might say. You're talking about BC. It's an awful long time ago. Yes, it is. A lot of people had looked hard for the source of this damas rose, and for a couple of reasons. One, back in the medieval times in the UK, it was used as a medicinal plant, a bit like Rosa Gallica is called the apothecary's rose. Then the damask rose was very much used as a, a source of medicine, and that goes back to uh, the time of the Crusaders, who saw 
everybody using this damask rose. And when I look further back, indeed, it had been used since about 4,000 years ago by people like the Assyrians and the Hittites. In those days, rose water was pressed from the petals and uh, it was used as a daily astringent, much the same as we use bleach or or washing up liquid. That's what uh, these guys were doing all those years ago. It's interesting to think that they were using the petals. Almost brings us up to date, you know, in the way that children sort of try to make a rose perfume with the... <laughs> scented petals in glasses. Well, absolutely. Now, funny enough, the parentage of the damas, I found there was actually the seed parent, Peter, is actually Rosa Gallica. Now, the Gallica is a, a rose species native to Western Europe, through Central Europe, and into the Western part of Central Asia. And really, it's this Rosa Gallica that has given rise to so many, not only of our garden hybrids, but in actual fact, what happened with climate change is that Rosa Gallica spread further and further east, seeking to preserve, if you like, its genetic integrity. And where it met um, strong species along the way, it formed a subspecies, one of them being Rosa Damaskina. So our Gallica got more than halfway to Uzbekistan. And then the hunter-gatherers at the time, and then the, the farmers who married their wives and so on, brought it all the way back to Rome by 300 BC. So Gallica's got a lot to answer for. <laughs> <laughs> that, I mean, that's an amazing story. And that Mother Nature actually moved gently across all those miles and then the two meet up to have such an effect on our modern-day roses. You spoke about enormous quantities being grown for the oil. Well, that's right. I mean, first of all, for rose waters. So even today, Peter, where rose water is used throughout Iran, Iraq, through the stands, into India and onto China, then the centre of rose water production is uh, around Isfahan in, in modern-day Iran. I mean, there are 400 square kilometres just around Isfahan of this rose. I mean, it's, 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 people just think think nothing of it. Much as we see a field of yellow mustard, you just have big fields of uh, of pink rosa damaskina uh, growing around. And and how would they how would they propagate those then? Is that a sort of hardwood cutting job or? I look very hard at that because manifestly, if you're transporting plant material through some pretty arid and harsh climatic conditions, carrying around the budwood that you and I know so well in, in the UK just was going to dry up straight away. So in actual fact, I found that uh, they were grown from suckers. That took a long time to find that piece. And eventually it was in Theophrastus, the Greek recorder, who described suckers but didn't give them a name. Now, one of the advantages of living in Oxford, we're not short of the odd few classicists around here. <laughs> so, so I put it... <laughs> I, I, I put it to a bunch of these guys. They, they came up with the answer. And so suckers it is. And of course, suckers, as you know, Peter, you can wrap, wrap a, a bundle of suckers in a bit of wet hessian yeah. and they'll last forever and a day. So that's how, that's how they were propagated. And throughout the Middle East, they still are. It's not terribly efficient. The reason, of course, we use rootstocks in this country is to get the vigour from the species rose stock to be able to graft a garden plant on top of it. Well, if you're using suckers, you don't get that option. Right, yes. And what surprises me is that this is all news to me. I had no knowledge of that enormous acreage 
just to produce rose oils. No, you're absolutely right. When I first looked at it, after I sat in drinking whatever I was in the Villa Julia, I'd, I'd never even heard of this, you know, this sort of industry. That's why I thought it was really worth taking a strong look at. It gives you an idea, Peter, in, just in terms of rose water, let alone rose oil, that the average household would go through about five or six gallons a week of this stuff. You can see... Gallons? That's right. So you can see why, you know, production is at such a high level. A tonne of rose petals, Peter, makes one kilogram or one litre of rose oil. A, t- a ton of rose petals. That's a lot of rose petals. What, uh, Robert, you've opened my eyes to all kinds of things in terms of the history of the rose and the scale of its production in the uh, Middle East particularly. I was only thinking, having spoken to you the other day, it wasn't that many years ago, was it, that uh, I was supplying roses to your uh, sun gardens at Chelsea? And I thought we'd... we'd... <laughs> <laughs> Sunflower Street, those were the days, Robert. Yeah. Some, weren't they just? Yes. And I thought, well, we've, we've, we're still here, Peter, and we've come a long way. And I look forward to seeing you at the next Chelsea. Fingers crossed that we can meet. Well, absolutely. Uh, thanks again for today. Absolutely fascinating. Yeah. Thank you, Peter. Good to see you. <laughs> What are the burning questions of the week? Well, I had uh, a query about whitefly, you know, the brassica aphid on uh, kale. Well, and it, it also gets onto sprouts too. And a good way to control those is uh, a spray with SB plant invigorator. That does a pretty good job. And of course, the period between spraying and eating is very short. Whatever you do, pay special attention to the underside of the leaves. That's where the uh, brassica aphid tends to breed and accumulate. I was asked if uh, there's still time to sow broad beans and the hardy garden peas. Well, it's getting a bit late, uh, but if you do want to have a go, it would be my advice to sow immediately, bring them indoors in the warm so that you get them germinated as quick as possible. And then once the shoots show through, they can be moved out, ideally into cold frames or a cold greenhouse. And if you don't have that, a sheet of glass lent against a south-facing wall will uh, give all the protection those kind of late sowings need. I'm still cutting a few flowers from out in the garden, cutting chrysanthemums. There's some dahlias too, not particularly good quality, but... They're there, still fresh and uh, haven't been hit by the frost. And the last roses of summer are opening and they will open more cleanly and will be fresher if you do cut them in bud and bring them to let them open indoors out of the rain, strong winds and heavy dews that come every night. And for my tailpiece, how about the quote by Ray D. Everson. The philosopher who said that work well done never needs doing over, never weeded a garden, (laughs) amen to that. How is it that a seedling bramble can grow so long, so quickly and yet out of sight? I've found several really long thorny pieces straggling through perennial shrubs. 
Uh, once the leaves come down, you see them and make sure that you dig them out. Get down several inches. If you just cut them off at the top, they'll be growing again in a minute. Our thanks to this week's sponsor, Hayloft Plants Limited of Pershaw, Worcester. And to my producer, Rich Jarman. And of course to you for listening. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.